Well, it's wonderful to continue our study together, have you uh, here with me. <laughs> I will never uh, quite take that uh, for granted, uh, like maybe I could have perhaps been tempted to before. So thank you, and uh, it's good to be together. We're going to continue uh, sharing in Psalm 23. Do I have any uh, children who would like to come up and help me with leading it? No. Okay. All right. Oh, George, are you ready? Okay, all right, here we go. <laughs> if you'd pull up the uh, scripture. George, if you want to come up here and help me, you can. Are you ready? Can you lead us with it? Do you know the Lord is your shepherd? You give me a big shoulder shrug. Well, just help me along. Let's follow along up there, okay? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Thank you there, George. Thanks for coming up and joining me. Did you have any sermon points this morning? All right. Thanks, Georgie. Well, when it comes to uh, Psalm 23, and I know we've spent a lot of time in it, we've been not necessarily going scripture by scripture or verse by verse, but more thematically. And I just have wanted to encourage us and remind us that when we say that the Lord is our shepherd, we are saying that he is the leader of our life. And so our first week was to say the shepherd leads. And then we are talking, we spoke about God restoring us and also feeding us and caring for us. Now, another aspect of our relationship with Jesus as our shepherd, with God, our Lord, being the leader of our life, is also that he is correcting us. And I had mentioned some of this uh, uh, last week of the rod and staff are there to guide and protect. When it comes to my relationship with God, there is a sort of love-hate relationship with God and his correction. I know that I need his correction, but I don't always appreciate his correction. And sometimes I'll get together with, uh, with guys and I'll say, how has God used a two-by-four to kind of uh, let you know to straighten up? And it's interesting the many ways in which the circumstances of our life, when we face uh, great deals of difficulty, how we sense that God is trying to lead us closer to him. And so I think it's safe to say that throughout all of this last season of our lives, that we have felt the need to go to God and ask of Him to guide us and help us. What is it that you're trying to teach us? It's interesting to me in the song that we just sang that, uh, that we would sing the words, I surrender all. I was, um, I was feeling pretty low and I needed some time alone and, uh, and Jill Riley, you know her as Jill Everett, she uh, has a house on a lake and, I, and she said, you can use it whenever you want. Uh, and so I was like, 
I'm going to take you up on that. And I did a little kayak and a little prayer out in the middle of a lake is good for your soul. And I think Jesus prayed on a lake, so I, there's something to that. I don't know. But then I was uh, just resting and reading and praying and just trying to focus. And I, and I said to Jesus, I said, I surrender all. And then I don't know how he talks to me. I, and people would say, well, the Lord told me. And I don't always know how that comes off to other people. And it's like, well, for whatever response I got and however he responded, it kind of felt like, oh, do you? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, yes, yes, I do. I surrender all this to you. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost. I need your help. And, uh, and he said, oh, really? And I was like, yes, I surrender all. And I said, I surrender my family, I surrender uh, all of this, everything. And then he said this to me, and I'm still wrestling with what it means, but he said, even Etna Green Church of Christ. I thought, what in the world do you mean by that? And then Jill came back to the house and she started talking to me, and we didn't have enough time to sort it out, God and I, and, and so then I just haven't talked to him about it since. Uh, that's not true. I have talked to him about it, and I have wrestled with what. What does it mean when I say I surrender all to you? And he said, even the church. Maybe the correction that God is offering me and reminding me is where you find your identity, where I have found my own identity. That. Uh, That it is possible that in our work and effort and striving for Jesus, that we forget where our true hope and salvation comes. That I am not saved because I am the minister of the Etna Green Church of Christ. I am not saved by the sermons I preach. I am not blessed because of the things that I do to serve others and care for people. That my identity is not wrapped up in the things that I do, and the peace and comfort or whatever, and the success and the, all of those things that I have felt good about over my life, God wants me to surrender that as well. And so when I think about that for myself, I want to invite you this morning to think about what it is that God is saying to you that might need a redirection in your life. What is God trying to correct? If you're calling Him the shepherd of your life, the leader of your life, and you give your life to Him, and you share with me this testimony of saying, Lord, I surrender all to You. What's that thing that He's saying, even this? Even this. And it might just be, uh, it might just be something a little material, material in your life that God would say that you need to surrender this. This has mattered too much to you. And I know that we don't have any material goods that we you know, care too much about. And, and it certainly wouldn't be the Chicago Cubs. He wouldn't want you to surrender that. But outside of material things and the Cubs, they're done anyway, so we can move on, right? Uh, move on, yes. So, so sorry, Renee. But as we think about the, uh, the sort of life that we want to, to seek and have in Christ, what is he asking us to surrender I really appreciate Kevin's story of a man that was not pursuing eternal life, but it just ensued because he was living his life. And there is a, there is a sense of, in my own heart, my own life, that I have 
um, unwittingly made my life about works. That my identity is wrapped up in what, what it is that I do and feeling worthy. One of the things that I have wrestled with is unconditional love. I have always felt sort of deep within myself that all love is somehow conditional. My, that people caring for me and my care for others is always sort of wrapped up in conditions. And that there's only a few people in my life that I think would come close to loving me unconditionally. You all know one of them is Wendy because you've put up with me and, and, and uh, you understand. And so she's a saint. And the other one is my mom, you know. So uh, the two um, most special women in my life that I feel like love me without condition. But I feel like there are conditions about our love and the way we relate with one another. And in general, this isn't always true, but the way we relate with people is often how we relate with God, and the way we relate with God is often how we relate with people. And so if we feel like all of our relationships are conditional, then we might also feel like our relationship with God is conditional. And so what happens, I feel like the enemy loves this feeling. The enemy loves to make sure that you feel one of two ways, unworthy or like you haven't done enough. Unworthy of deserving grace, of deserving love, of deserving salvation, of having a life with God. Unworthy to be pursued and loved and cared for by God. That you're lacking in your effort, that you haven't done enough to earn your keep and your place. When we say Psalm 23, and we say that the Lord is our shepherd, that we lack nothing in Him, it tells us that He leads us beside the still waters, He uh, nourishes us, and we lie down and rest in the green pastures, He restores our soul. Then He says He leads me in paths of righteousness. And that's the correction that the Lord offers all of us. There is a sort of wrestling match throughout Scripture. One of the, uh, we're not going to read the whole text, uh, but one of the great places to go and visit is Deuteronomy 8. And it sort of jumps off the page what is happening in Deuteronomy 8. Moses is telling the Israelites, okay, you are going into the land that God has promised you and prepared for you. You are going to this place, and I want you to know that everything there is taken care of for you. There are going to be houses that you haven't built that you're going to get to live in. And there's going to be uh, seeds that have planted that have turned into fruit that you didn't work to prepare for it. It's just going to be there is fruit there for you. God sort of blesses them unconditionally. He says, you have done nothing to earn this. You've just shown up and you get to go in and have a house that is yours. You get to have fruit that you haven't worked for. This is yours because of my love for you. And when you get this love, when you get this blessing, when you get this cared for you, there is going to be something that happens. You're going to think you earned it. You're going to think that it's because you're so special. Because you work so hard at it. And Moses offers this big warning and says, don't forget what the Lord has done for you. 
Don't forget how you got here and the blessings that have come because of God's benevolent kindness in your life. Don't forget what God's done for you. Well, I know you know the story. How did the Israelites do, right? They failed miserably. They didn't do very well. And there is, uh, there is this story sort of on repeat throughout the life of Israel. And there was a prophet, his name was Ezekiel, and one of the times that they found themselves in this cycle where they've forgotten what the Lord was all about, Ezekiel steps in and he says in Ezekiel 34 that I am going to send a shepherd who will redeem you. I'm going to send a shepherd who will lead you and restore you and give you a new promise. I'm going to send a shepherd to you that will call you out of all of this and lead you back home with, uh, with me. I'm restoring his promises, and this is in Ezekiel 34. Remember, the enemy would have us believe that we're not worthy or that we haven't earned. And I just want to invite you to start thinking about your walk with God and how has the enemy played with you in that regard and helped you, led you to feel inadequate or unworthy or feel like you're so far gone that there's nothing that you can do to get yourselves back. I, I run into two things, and my, my story is more about earning God's love. But I know so many folks' story is that they're unworthy of God's love. My relationship with God is I can fall into a mode where I feel like I'm going to do all of the right things that I can possibly do so I can stay on God's good side. And then there are others who have done so much wrong, and they feel like there's, there's nothing there for them. Jesus, he enters into the world and he starts telling stories about both scenarios. You see, the Pharisees, that's probably the camp that I end up landing in. They get the laws right and they tell everybody what to do. It's what I get to do every week and I love it, you know. Every day, if I'm being honest, really. But Jesus, he interacts with the Pharisees and the Pharisees, their story is about getting the rules right getting the story right, getting all of these things right, and feeling this track of legalism, this track towards I'm right and they're wrong and I'll earn the blessings and they'll get what, what's coming to them. And Jesus tells story after story to them to help them learn a valuable lesson about grace and about God's love breaking into the world. He tells stories of things getting lost and then being found, a lost son who has come home and he's found. Jesus has to tell these stories to them about a lost coin, a lost coin that's found in a great celebration. He tells it to the Pharisees because the Pharisees are wrestling with, why are you eating with sinners and tax collectors? Why are you eating with people who don't deserve to be loved? They, don't, they haven't earned it. They haven't been doing right. Why do you care about them? Why do you spend time with them? And Jesus tells this story of a lost sheep. The shepherd, he was looking after his flock. He had a whole hundred of them. And it was time for bed, and he started counting them. 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Well, I'm missing one. Who am I missing? Snowflake. Where's Snowflake? Has anybody seen Snowflake? I think it's in the text. I, 
Snowflake's gone missing, and now the shepherd goes looking. He leaves the 99, and he goes looking. Remember, Jesus is telling this story to Pharisees. Telling this story to people who feel like they've earned God's love, and why would you go looking for the lost when you're already found? And Jesus tells a story of a shepherd who goes and finds the lost sheep. He finds the lost sheep, and he is completely helpless, and he's caught in the thicket. And what does the shepherd do when the when the sheep is uh, when he finally finds the sheep? He puts them on his shoulders. The shepherd puts the sheep on his shoulders, and he leads him home. He leads him to paths of righteousness. He leads him to eternal life with the Lord. And friends, what I want us to see is one of the ways that the enemy attacks us. The enemy leads us to think that the sheep isn't worth finding. That you're not worth finding and pursuing. That you aren't worthy of God's love. You haven't met the conditions of God's love. And I just want to remind all of us that we find ourselves on the paths of righteousness the very same way everyone else does. The shepherd has sought you, he's found you, and he's placed you on his shoulders. And the heart of the shepherd is this. When he finds him and he takes him home, the shepherd rejoices. He rejoices when he finds you and your brokenness and your hurt, when you've wandered away. He rejoices when he finds you. He rejoices when you realize that you are just in, in, in as, uh, as much of a mess as the wandering sheep was by thinking that you can earn your way there. When I asked God or when I told God what I was up to and saying, I surrender everything to you, God, he was pulling me out of the thicket too. Because I was obstinate, and I was stubborn, and I was missing something about my relationship with God. That my walk with Him is about His love. Yours is too. It's about His grace and His kindness. It's about Him opening up a life in His kingdom, and this is for you. I think we can come to the place where we find ourselves in the thicket and we just need to do this one thing that James 4 tells us to do. Humble yourselves and He will lift you up. Humble yourselves and He will lift you up. Friends, the challenge is about our pride and it's about our control and it's about all of these things and his correction is this. His correction is to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. His correction is to guide us and comfort us with his rod and his staff. His correction is to give us his word and, and encourage us to study and, be, and seek his will and his promises. And it's not about the pursuit of and it's not about the effort, it's not about the work, it's not about all of these things that we end up making it. It's about our shepherd who has sought us and saved us. 
So my encouragement to you this morning is to be humble. Follow my example in humility. That's a joke. I was a it was a little deadpan, and you missed it. So humility. We don't do so well at it. We think that sometimes humility is about thinking less of ourselves or um, where I tend to go is um, self-deprecating humor. And humility is about the valuing of others. It's about dignity and love and respect and care. Not to get too political, but what was on display on Tuesday evening was not humility. Either way, either direction. Humility is valuing others over self. It's lost in our world, and we know nothing of it. You young whippersnappers are on the internet, and you have your devices. What are those called? Smartphones. You have your Snapchat, and your Snapchat, your your street cred rides on how many Snap followers. I'm not. I'm getting like heads shaking at me. Like you don't know what you're talking about. But it's about follows, it's about likes, it's about favorites or something like that. Am I speaking somewhat truthfully? They're just giving me blank stares. But it is a gigantic popularity contest. When we were in school, it wasn't on the devices. It was, you know, played out in the cafeteria. But our world is about making much of ourselves. The enemy leads us down this track where we feel like we are unworthy and we haven't done enough. And the shepherd finds us where we are and he leads us home. I don't know where the story finds you today. Maybe on, maybe on the treadmill of effort or maybe feeling like you've done so much that God could never find you and bring you home. But wherever we're at in the story, the response is all the same. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. He will lift you, and He will take you and bring you home. Empty yourselves, and truly say to God, I surrender all to you. So I'm working on what it means to surrender at the Green Church of Christ to you, and I imagine that it is a lot of effort and a lot of thinking that I am going to save the day and make everything all right. And I'm obstinate and dumb enough to think that I can. I don't know where it plays out in your life and in your story and where you're at in your walk with God. But for me, I'm trying to say, God, I'm giving this to you. And I'm not going to get mad if all of the effort to get the online thing isn't working this morning. Or I'm not going to flip out if things don't go right. Every week there's something new that's just kind of like, really, can it just go right just once? And no matter how much effort I put into it, no matter how much I think I deserve for it to be right, 
it never lands just right. So I'm trying to give it up. I'm going to quit. And I'm going to say, God, would you find me and lift me and take me to the path of righteousness? And I don't know what it looks like for you and your work and your home and your family, but I know it's simply give, giving it to Jesus and asking the shepherd to lead you to paths of righteousness. He will lead you home. Let's pray. God, we do turn our hearts over to you. We, we, know that, we know that we can lose our way and lose, lose ourselves and believe a lie that's from the, our enemy that will lead us to think that we aren't lovable, that we aren't, we aren't sought after. God, that we haven't done enough to be saved, to be loved by you. So God, help our hearts today, help our minds to know that you are seeking and saving us, that you are shepherd of our lives, and if we've wandered off, you're ready to find us. And so Lord, however we have found ourselves and whatever however far away from you we've gone. Lord, whether we thought we were doing the right things for the right reasons and we wandered from you and we stopped listening to our shepherd's voice, we want to listen to you again. Lord, if we have fallen away in sin and wandered away from you, Lord, we want to stop in our tracks and we just want to ask for your help. Would you find us and lift us and take us home? God, I, I'm excited at the idea of a church who's lifted up on your shoulders. Lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Lead us home. We love you and we praise you and we thank you for Jesus, our Lord and our King. The Lord Jesus is our shepherd. He laid down his life for us. We know that he carries us home. We thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand in our response.